right, so this morning, uh, I will share a short message, and then we will have a time for some testimony, share some stories, as we have been prompted the last few weeks. So over the last few Sundays, we've dealt with a theme, uh, move in, go where the gospel uh, is needed. So we heard from Terrence and how his missional family is moving into the Prince of Wales community. We heard from Sishe and his need, the need that he saw for the gospel in India and Nepal and how is he bringing Jesus there. Then last week we heard from Yah, and Yah challenged us to move into the missionary God, who God is, but then also the need for, uh, for God uh, at our universities and colleges uh, with international students. So these people all felt by God to move into those places. Now today we're going to take a little bit of a different angle. We're going to look at where God has already moved you in. Where God has already moved you in. So we, the, I'm using uh, some of the stuff from this book, The Art of Neighboring, which I will leave at the uh, table, at the information table. If anybody wants to read it, you can, you can borrow it. And I also use some online uh, starting point resources as well. So where has God already moved you in uh, is the question for today. Each of us has moved into a neighborhood. We're moved into our places of work. We're moved into our school, maybe the hockey arena uh, or other sports venues, wherever we find ourselves. Could it be that the gospel is needed in those places as well? Could it be that God has already moved us in there, in those places, uh, for a reason? What if Jesus meant our literal neighbors when he said, love your neighbors uh, as yourself? Let's look at uh, a few verses from Acts 17, and the context of that is that it's the Apostle Paul, the greatest missionary ever, uh, and he uh, speaking in the city of Athens, Greece. And this is what he writes. For from one man, God made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places uh, where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Acts 17. So where you live is no accident. God determined the time you were born. He determined uh, where you should live. And why did God do this? He did this so that men would seek him and reach out for him and find him, though he is not far uh, from each one of us. Sure, we may think that we moved into a certain neighborhood because we liked a certain house or because it positioned as well around a great school that we want our kids to go to. But from God's perspective, we're in that home so you could find him, but also so we could be his representatives in that neighborhood. So we might think we are doing our job day after day because we like the job and that's what we've been trained for and it pays the bills, but God has more in mind. He has, has us there to point us, to point others uh, to God. I heard someone say recently, God's plan for our lives is always bigger than us. 
So we make plans and move into certain neighborhoods, find certain jobs, but God's plan for that is always bigger than just about us. So he determined the places you should live so you could find him, but he also moved your neighbors and co-workers <coughs> into places so they could find him as well. And I know some of you have stories. You were introduced to Jesus uh, through a neighbor or through a, uh, through a co-worker. God's not far from each of us, but people often need someone to show you show people, others, the way. And we, as his people, can light the path so that others can find their way to God. Your love for your neighbors, your care for your co-workers, or if you are a boss, your kindness and the way you treat uh, your employees gives people a picture of who God is. It makes people curious and it draws them towards the God who lives in you. So I'd like to give you a quick example of that. It's not from our neighborhood, but it's from the university. So a young student uh, who's been part of our focus ministry uh, at Brock for over a year now, and he attended last year, he attended both our conversation circles because he really wanted to improve uh, his English. He heard the offer for the Bible Discovery Group, but he never joined, whether he couldn't make it or he wasn't interested. But then this fall, he started attending our Bible discovery group, and uh, he gave us the warning the first time that he came. He says, I'm not sure I believe there is a God, and I'm not sure the Bible is true. Well, we assured him that was just fine. He could join, uh, he just could join our group. So two weeks ago, he told me that when he first, uh, when he came to Canada, uh, he did not, absolutely not, did not believe there was a God. And he also had a very negative view of Christianity and of Christians. But then he said, I met all of you Christian people. And he says, you're so kind and loving, and you make sacrifices of time so that you can serve us international students. And he says, that's making me change my mind about Christianity. And so now I'm checking out who God is and whether the Bible might possibly uh, be true. And he continues to be on that journey. So the godly lives of our volunteers gave this young student a glimpse of who God is and made him desirous to start finding uh, and searching for God. Alan Klein Dieters often said, we need to live such questionable lives that people will become curious. And we need to, so we need to live such godly lives that people will question us and ask us, What's different about you? Who is this God uh, that you serve? So God wants us to be a picture of him so that others would reach out and find him. We show people who God is first through our actions, often first through our actions and through our lifestyle, the way we care for people, but then also through the words that we share as we share Jesus uh, with people as well. And in doing so, we follow Jesus as our perfect example. So in 1 John, John 1, verse 14, we read in the message, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Jesus moved into our neighborhood, into humanity, to show us who God is. He was a perfect representation who God is. But he also showed us the way back uh, to God. 
as followers of Jesus, we can also give people glimpses of God. We can't represent God perfectly like Jesus could, but we can give him glim- we can give people glimpses of who God is by the way we interact with people. So think about it. You're in your neighborhood, so you could have a good place to live with your family. But from God's perspective, you're also there so you can be a picture to your neighbors as to who God is. You're at your workplace so you can earn a living, sure enough. But from God's perspective, you're also there as a light to draw people uh, to God. Uh, You're at the hockey arena because your kids love hockey, or maybe you love hockey. But from God's perspective, you're also there to make people curious about the God who lives in you. How well do you know your neighbors, uh, your co-workers? Who might God be sending you to? Last week, Yah challenged us to keep moving into our missionary God, to let God lead us. And so this morning, I want to challenge you. Ask God to show you where the gospel is needed in your neighborhood. Ask God to show you where the gospel is needed at the school that you attend or the university that you attend. Ask God where the gospel is needed at your workplace. Because God already has moved you in all those places, and he wants to use you there. Some of us, God calls to go to Prince of Wales community, others to Meriton, others to India, uh, to Front Street, to our university. But this morning, I just want you to remember that God has already moved you in places where the gospel is needed. So as you go home today, Uh, as you drive into your neighborhood, ask God to show you where is the gospel needed right in this place where you have put me. Tomorrow when you go to work or whenever you go to work, ask God, where is the gospel needed here at the workplace? Let him lead you because he wants to do that. Now, if you are not yet a follower of Jesus, but you have some questions He has put you in your neighborhood and in your workplace for a reason, too. So ask him, who is there, God, that could help show me the way uh, forward so I could could find you? So that's the challenge I'd like to leave you with. You are already moved in where the gospel uh, is needed. And some of you have some great stories how God has used you where the gospel is needed in neighborhoods or at your workplace. And so now's the time for some of you to share uh, the stories. So how has God used you? What needs do you see in your neighborhood or workplace? Or the other way around, how has God used someone at your workplace to show you the way to God? So I have asked a few people beforehand who have agreed to do that, but then there's others of you who probably say, hey, I have a story I'd like to share. So Mary, if you want to come up first. And then think about it. What story could you share with the rest of us? I think it's on now. Is that okay? Didn't know I'd be this nervous. 
That's so true, actually, what Hilda was talking about. Um, I think Bill and I always thought there had to be a purpose why we lived where we lived. Mm -hmm. And Um, so I was saying that um, that's so true what Hilda said because I always thought there had to be a reason and a purpose why we lived where we lived. And even though that took a long time, um, here is my story. Even though Bill and I had lived next door to Herb and Janet for many years, and were friendly and helpful neighbors to each other. We weren't super close, but cared about what happened, um, what was happening in our families. You see, Janet's character was not easy. Outspoken, critical of others, blunt, use God's name in vain, and on a number of occasions, contradicted events in the Bible with me. Yes, she knew we were Christians. Our Janet story really began, as I would say, when we were invited to come over for dinner. I remember so well we were barely in their home, still standing, when Janet said, I'll have you know I'm an atheist, a feminist, and a Democrat. <laughs> In other words, don't talk to me about God. Building relationships takes time. Bill and I prayed for opportunities. Janet and I seen more of each other through happenings in our neighborhood. About six months after dinner, after that dinner invitation, Janet, husband of 20 years, left. It was devastating. Without us realizing, God was already at work, building our relationship with Janet at just the right time to be able to support in this sad time of her life. I remember Bill told Janet God loved her, and so did we and we sobbed together in each other's arms. Fast forward nine months. Janet was diagnosed with terminal lung cancer. I questioned God why. She had become my friend. She had already gone through so much. I want a time for her to get to know who Jesus really was. Through tragedies, God was opening doors of opportunity. I had to let go of the fact she professed to be an atheist and trust God to give the words to speak. Only God could change her heart. The first time Janet gave me permission to pray with her was after a doctor's appointment in a restaurant I sure thanked God for that opportunity. I knew Janet's life on earth was short, and there was, and there was so much I wanted to share with her. I'm shaking. 
Sitting in our living room one day, I asked Janet what her thoughts were about heaven, and she said she would probably go there because she was a good person. I was able to share being good wasn't good enough. She needed more. She needed Jesus, who came into the world and died on the cross to pay for everything that we've ever done wrong. He forgave us that Jesus was the only way, the truth, and the life, and that God loved her. At one point, Janet said, but you've been a Christian all your life. I assured her it had nothing to do with how long or when you become a Christian. We are the same, you and I. We all need Jesus, his forgiveness, and believe in him and told her the story of the thief on the cross. I also got the opportunity to share the beauty of heaven with her and that it was forever. I remember she said, forever? I said, yes, Janet, forever. There is no end. God was softening her heart, her spirit, and it showed. While Bill and I were up north, Janet took a turn for the worse. We drove home, spent an hour with her, prayed, whispered God's love in her ear because she was already in a coma. The nurse assured us she wasn't going to die yet, but 20 minutes after we left, Janet passed away, three months after being diagnosed. God, I really had wanted more time with Janet, but I knew that this too was in God's plan. Even though Janet didn't openly share with what she believed, she had shared with me that she had prayed for forgiveness. Praise God. This short summary of Janet's life isn't about us, Bill and Mary and how we walked this journey with her. It's all about God, how God used us and worked through us to touch the life of our friend Janet. It's all about God's amazing grace, forgiveness, mercy, and his love for all people. And I was just thinking, um, looking back, um, of Janet's story, this all really just began with an invitation to dinner. And this too was in God's plan. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Jen? And again, the invitation is open to all of us to share. Good morning, my name is Jen, uh, for those who don't know me. Um, so my husband and I, two years ago, moved into a new neighborhood here in Thorold, and we were really, really excited about it for many reasons. One being, I'm an extrovert, so I'm like, yes, new people. I'm like, I can't wait, I can't wait to meet people. But God, as I was praying, was like, just be still and pray. And I'm like, what? 
<laughs> that's not cool. I want to, like, meet people and hang out. And, but God is like, no, pray. Pray about how I'm going to use you here. And I thought, okay. So months went by, and I just kept praying. And as I was praying, I would walk, and I would just notice my neighborhood, sort of the, the comings and the goings and the flow of the neighborhood. And when you're new, you don't know anyone, right? You don't know if people are working. Are they home? So God just kept saying, just keep praying. So, okay. So I just kept praying. I thought, oh, not even one party I can host or, like, I don't know. Nope. So I was just still. A year went by, and God finally said, um, I want you to pull your kids from your private school. I want you to send your kids to that school right there, <laughs> the school right down the street, this school. I said, that's really scary. <laughs> but I was praying for a year, <laughs> and I thought, okay, I'll do it. Not an easy thing to leave your place of comfort, especially for my kids. Um, but God had their hearts. Anyways, it's not about the school move that I want to talk about. It's kind of what came out of that. So after then about a year and a half, we moved schools, and we're just meeting everybody on our street just from moving here, coming here, getting to know people and the rhythms. I thought, this is really cool, but still I don't really know my neighbors that well, and I, I care, and I want to know my neighbors. So then I prayed some more, and um, again, after a few months, God was saying, I want you in the spring <laughs> to be weird. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm already weird, so like, show me what to do. Um, and just something kind of came across my mind about being in the front yard. Um, a lot of my neighbors have really nice backyards, pools, um, yeah, gorgeous landscaping. <laughs> if you've been to my house, there is nothing in our backyard. <laughs> There's nothing. But God was like, don't do anything. I want you to go in the front yard. So last spring, my husband and I and our kids, we just said, you know what, this, this spring and summer, we're just going to be in the front yard. We're going we're gonna to move our lunches out here. We're going to bring, we carried out our huge barbecue and put it in the garage. And uh, we just ate every supper outside. And I still didn't really understand why. But people just started to flood our front yard. Um, kids road hockey, meeting new families, just by something small as <laughs> eating on our front porch. And uh, I'll even remember one neighbor was like, so do you have a backyard? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> but then it was, a good, it was a good way to just have a conversation with that person and say, we just want to meet people and just get to know people, and this is a way we can. So that was a really neat. And then as the summer kind of went on, just deeper, I just started knowing deeper relationships were happening. I was having more intense and deep conversations at the bottom of my driveway um, than I was anywhere else. And it was just because I wanted to get to know people, and it was little, little steps of obedience. But I guess for this story, um, what I have been reflecting on is we don't need to be part. God works in the big, God works in the small, and I think that's how he's been working in our family, just little steps, little steps of obedience forward, and it just starts with prayer, like show me personally what I can do in my own neighborhood, and he hears that and sees it and responds to that. So, yeah, I'm excited to see where the next steps are, but just little steps forward. So.
And as you can notice, uh, God can use anyone. It doesn't matter what your personality is, right? Some of us are extroverts, but some of us are introverts. But there's people in our neighborhoods or at workplaces that are introverts too. So God can use any of us. So who else has a story? Who, who else would like to share? Okay. And maybe you can introduce yourself. Kyle. I know, yeah. This is my first time here actually for a while, so... Hey guys, how's it going? My name is Kyle. Um, I actually uh, recently was at First Baptist Church, and uh, I'm very excited to be here today. God is good, that's all I can say. So, um, I have a great story to tell you guys. Um, when I was younger, I was uh, living in Thorold, actually. I was born in Hamilton, Ontario, but um, when I was living in Thorold, I, I was young, and every day I went home from school, and I was just like, looking out my window, and I was like, wow, looks like fun there. There's like ladders and stuff on the van because like I had a neighbor across the street who was always an electrician, and I always thought that was cool. I was like, "Wow, looks really fun." I, I kind of wish I I could do that, you know. And then after a few weeks went by, I decided to just go over there and just greet myself, just say, "Hey, how's it going?" And you know, like I saw something different in him. I I I don't know what it was, but you know, at the time I didn't know Christ, so. I was like, wow, by the way, just, I'm, I'm kind of nervous, so, but that's, that's okay, so. Um, anyways, so when I went over there, I started going in his garage and just looking at everything, you know. You, you usually wouldn't do that, just go to someone's random house and just look at stuff, right? So, um, yeah, I, was, I decided to go in there, and I started looking, and, I was, and he was in there, actually. I did not know he was in there, but he was in the back. I was like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble, so... And then uh, I went over and talked to him. I said, so what do you do? And he's like, well, um, you might not know what I do, but um, I'm an electrician. I'm like, what's that? Because, like, I was probably, like, 17, 18, and I did not know what an electrician was. So to continue on, um, I was talking to him about it, and he was like, yeah, so what are you doing in my garage? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like um, that's a good question. So I told him I was just snooping around, looking at the tools and stuff. I thought it was cool. And then he's like, wow, okay, okay. So you want to be an electrician then? I'm like, uh, I didn't say that. So I decided to ask him. I said, so I really want a job right now. I was wondering if you could give me something to do. And then he's like, well, I mean, I don't know. So then I went back home that night, and I woke up, and he gave me a call. He, he knocked on my door, and he's like, you know what? I actually found something you could do. You could cut my lawn for a little while. So I started cutting his lawn, and after that, weeks went by, and he decided to ask me to go to church. So I was like, whoa. I did not see this coming. I was like, oh, here we go. So I was like, I don't know if I can do this, you know, the... Uh, my family doesn't go to church. I don't know if I should do this, you know, feeling that guilt and just, you know. But that night, I just, it was amazing. I felt so convicted that I needed to be there. And I just, that night I went to church, and after that I just kept going and kept going, and praise God for that. Um, and then after the, all those times I went to church, I, uh, there was the summertime he invited me to go to church on the beach. And... Uh, Wow, I, I was like, okay, so this is the second step now. Um, so I decided to go to church on the beach. I went there for a few weeks, but one week really spoke to me, and I'll tell you, it was this amazing pastor. I wish I remembered his name, but he was from the States. And uh, I don't know if you guys know Neil Boron in Crystal Beach. Um, 
He's amazing. But uh, he was talking the scripture, and I was just sitting there, and it's like God was trying to get my attention there. And I was like, wow, you know, like my life is going downhill right now, you know. Everything I used to do in my life, everything I used to see and think, that's what reality was. And I finally decided to just, I was like, well, I think Christ is calling my name. And I just went up to the front there, and I, I went and I just prayed with the pastor, and I just, at that time, I asked Christ into my heart. And once that happened, the next week I went to go get baptized. I was so excited because I felt a new energy the next morning. I was like, wow, the next week, sorry. It wasn't, it wasn't until next week. So, um, so to continue on with that, when we went to uh, Crystal Beach, when I went to get baptized, as I said, none of my family were believers. I asked my family to come, and they said no for the first time. But then I, I prayed about it because at the time I accepted Christ into my heart, and I really wanted to see where that could go. And as I prayed, I, I went upstairs and I asked them again. They said yes. So when they were coming, it was amazing because I was so excited. My father would actually come and see me get baptized and also see my, my new life change, you know. And... Um, as soon as I got baptized, this is, this is a great testimony. Like, you guys are not going to believe this, but this is crazy. And this is how God works in our lives. But I, I, um, I was in the water, and um, I decided to uh, fall forward really quick while he was still praying. I was like, I want to go now. <laughs> so um, when that happened, um, as, as I came out of the water, all my life... I'm not embarrassed to say this because I know God is faithful and we, we fear not, right, in God because it says in the Bible, fear not. And all my life I had trouble urinating. I would not be able to go properly. And, you know, as soon as I got under the water from all the darkness and the sin that I lost out of my life because I accepted Christ in my life, after a few hours, we have the tension to go to the bathroom because that's reality, right? And I went to go and I couldn't go. I was like, what's going on? What is happening right now? And a few hours later, I ended up going to the hospital. And they were trying to help me out as much as they could. And they, they tried everything. And there was things that it was very unfortunate how it happened. But they said they wanted to do something. And I was nervous to do it. But I got pills. And then I went home that next night. That next night, I decided to make a, a decision. And it wasn't a good decision, I'll tell you that. We all make mistakes, that's for sure. Um, and uh, when I made that mistake, um, after that I was still working with the pills and I was able to go for a while, but when I made the mistake, I, was, I went to the bathroom again and I couldn't go. And you know, I was in panic, I was panicking, I was, I was in fear, I was, I was in pain. I, I think this was the most in pain I could ever feel in my life. I've never felt like that. And no one was home at the time. I was like, wow, where's God right now? And, you know, I was so nervous, and, you know. But after a while, I was like, I need to go to the hospital. I need to do this. Something was telling me I need to go to the hospital. Something was telling me that. And that night I went to the hospital. I had to wait almost four hours in the emergency room, just the waiting room. And they said, wow, like, after the four hours, the total wait was six hours, but I needed to get in because I knew something was up, and they knew something was up too. I was the only one yelling and screaming and panicking in the waiting room, and it was, it was, it was crazy. But here's where it gets good. I was in the emergency room, 
And uh, they told me I had almost three liters of urine in my bladder. And they said I only had an hour to live. And I was like, what? I was like, are you serious? And then they were like, yeah. And I was like, wow. So I was just, I didn't panic. I just, I, was in, I wasn't in thought at the moment because I, there were so many things going on at the time. I was like, wow, am I going to die in an hour? And then they also said to me, it's going to take almost an hour to get a bed. One hour to die, but one hour to get a bed. Meaning I could either live or I won't. But then I decided, I was like, maybe I should just sit down here and I should just pray to God. And I sat down there and I said, God, forgive me for all the sins I've committed in my life. My past is no longer, and my future is what I want to have. I want to have something new in my life. I want to have something different, something that can be changed, something that can show the world that there is a change in my life, that there will be a change in my life. Because as I kept going to church, I learned that there is a new life out there. And when I said that prayer, a bed came around the corner, and they said to me, we don't know how this happened, but there's a bed ready for you for surgery. And after that, I had, a, I had my surgery, and from this day I was saved. And I'm still alive to this day because I thank God for that. And that's my testimony. And I just want to let you guys know I'm still alive, so. Thanks for sharing that, Kyle. Wow, thanks for sharing that, uh, Kyle. And God used a neighbor and your curiosity because he cares so much for us. He wants us to find him, and he uses us, those of us who already know him, to show others the way. Who else would like to share a story? Whether you were a neighbor, Pauline. Good morning. Thanks for sharing your story, Kyle. You, God is moving all the time. Um, I've been on a journey this year, and it's, it's been a difficult journey. Um, and there are many times when I'm asking God, God, what do you want me to do with my life now? Where is my life going? And I kept hearing, if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. And so, God, what is my purpose? And so we were invited to join missional families, and I'm trying to praying, God, where do you want me to serve? Where do you want me to want it? Where can I make a difference? And so I felt led to join the Meriton missional family. And um, at the first meeting that I attended, we were talking about messy church, and I thought, oh boy, did I make a mistake or not? Um, and I'm, I'm not into tech or audio, and, and praise and worship is not my strength, so I thought, well, where? And I, I really wasn't into f preparing food for um, an unknown number of people. So the only thing left was crafts, kids' crafts. And I, I have some talent, but I have absolutely no imagination. And so Hilda presents me with this book uh, on Messy Church. And while well, these are suggestions for the kids 
to do crafts. And I looked at them, and Brandon is also my partner in, in, in the kids' craft. And I said to Brandon, I said, I don't like these. I, they look awfully messy. And he says to me, Pauline, that's why it's called Messy Church. <laughs> so I, I'm part of a, a uh, um, art um, painting class on Tuesday mornings. And I know two of the ladies are Christians. But I took the book with me and, and just, God, show me. God, lead me. God, help me. Um, but there was a new lady there, and I didn't know if she was a Christian or not. But I just took the book out, and I told them about what we were doing, Messy Church. And I'm just trusting God on this one. And the new lady says, oh, she said, I'm a retired primary art teacher. <laughs> I just laughed out loud because, I, oh, God, you're way ahead of me. You have moved in, and you're moving me in. And so... You know, another, and then we, we had, you know, we had a really good session. The craft went really well. We had lots of input from, there's one lady in my group who is not a Christian, and I'm involving her as well. So, you know, if we have our eyes open and we are obedient, God will use us and God will allow us to move in. And as long as we have eyes to see, and as long as we're obedient, <laughs> that's... Just stay up, just stay up. I have my notes. I have okay. My notes. Right. okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for, uh, for sharing. So the challenge, the gospel is needed where you have already moved in. And for the last couple of weeks, we've invited people to stand who have been moved into certain places. So today, we're going to ask all of you to stand because all of you are already moved in. And then Pauline is going to pray uh, for you once she gets her notes. <laughs> Father God, you are challenging us. You are, you have equipped us. You are almighty, holy God. And God, some of us, you have called into missional families to cobblestone all the various ministries um, of this church, all the group activities, all the clubs and organizations. But God, in our neighborhoods and where we volunteer, at school, in our leisure activities, God, we pray your powerful blessing on each person here, God, that we will have eyes to see and that we will be obedient. And God, when we, when we feel that nudging, help us to recognize that this is you, God. This is you telling us, this is where I want you to do. This is where I, who I want you to reach out to. God, help us to be Christ-like in all of our activities, not just when somebody's watching, because we know that you're always watching us, Lord. So I pray that you will bless each person here, that they may be a blessing, and they, they may be instruments, that we all may be instruments in your hands to bring the good news of the gospel 
to bring the good news of salvation. God, this world needs to know Jesus. And so use us to make that possible. Use us to make a difference in the lives of people who need to know you so desperately. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.